This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. We're in a Bible prophecy series, and we have been preaching a series like this for the last 20 plus years. And I have spoke on this particular subject numbers of times. But today I'm going to take you a little farther. I realize that Bible prophecy is probably one of the most complicated subjects of Scripture to, to grasp and, and to comprehend, especially if you just start reading the Revelation and uh, you start in somewhere chapter 6 and go through chapter 19 and you wonder how in the world. It sounds like something really that uh, was featured on an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I mean, you just cannot hardly imagine the realities you might would say that's that just cannot be real. That's fabricated. That's just not possible to understand the things that will be unleashed on this world during the seven years of tribulation. Our human minds cannot comprehend it. But it's in the Word of God. And this is what I believe about the whole Bible altogether is that there are a lot of things, and after preaching it myself for almost 41 plus years, I I cannot stand here and tell you today that I have mastered this book I, because I want to be the first one to let you know that that's not possible. There's so much about this Bible that I will never know until I get to heaven. You say, well, preacher, you study it all the time. You studied it in the past. You use it every day. I do. But there are some things in this book that I'm not capable of explaining. For example, where did God come from? The truth of the matter is, he's always been. Now, somebody with a deep intellect will sit down and try to form some realm of logic as to why that's not possible. But here's the thing. The scriptures are not given to us from the realms of logic and reason. The Bible is a book of faith, and the just shall live by faith. So there are things that we can... Now, do we not study to know more? Absolutely. But there are some things we will never know until we get to heaven. And this is what I believe. Those things that seem to be complex, that worried us to death in this life, and we say, when we get to heaven, we're going to ask Jesus all about it. I'll tell you what, when we get to heaven, you're not even going to think about it. I got, I got uh, two big questions I want to ask the Lord when I get there. From my perspective as a pastor, God, why did it have to snow on Sundays? And why did it have to rain buckets at times? When I get over there, do you think that's going to be on my mind? I assure you it's on my mind on Saturday night. <laughs> and, and I say, we'll talk it over in the by and by. But here's the thing. There's a lot of things that we're going to talk about, maybe even today, that I'm not capable of explaining the whole depth and mysteries of God to you. But I can take this Bible and read it and share 
with what the Word says. And in the best of my ability, deliver it to you. Now, I have preached this message a dozen or more times. Not quite like I'm going to do it today. Because I think we have been in this particular subject for so long over the past years that have gone by that it's ready to go a little farther. And uh, I pray that you'll stay with me. I don't want it to be complicated to you, but believe me, you'll need something to write with. Because when you get home and you start asking your questions and you get them twisted or confused, uh, you... I want you to write it down. If something's on your heart and mind, write it down. You'll get the scriptures this morning to go along with it. The first place we're going to start today is in John chapter 5. And we're talking about the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. And we're going to look at two passages of scripture to lay the foundation of the text today. In John chapter 5 and verse number 43, Jesus said, I am come in my name, in my Father's name. And he said, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. So Jesus is saying, hey, I've introduced myself to you, and I've come in my Father's name, and you will not receive me. You remember there's a passage of Scripture that says he came unto his own and his own received him not? Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name and you will not receive me. He said, however, there's coming a day when somebody else is going to come in his own name and you will receive him. Now, that definitely that's talking about the Antichrist. I want you to see this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 3 through 10. The apostle Paul is writing, and he says this, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And we're living in the generation, we're living in the time where we're seeing a great falling away taking place right now. And it's not just in the world. But we're seeing a great falling away within the church. I'm not talking about just our church. I'm talking about the body. A great falling away. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you cannot fall away from something if you have not been first close to something. And then you need to study that a little bit. He says this, except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The Bible only really refers to one person as the son of perdition. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. Or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. 
that scripture is in reference to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is taken out, when the church is taken out, the scripture says, and then, verse 8, that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. When you reject the truth, you open yourself up for a lie. And so those are some references to some of our past sermons in this series. And today it's another subject altogether, the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast. Number one, if you're following carefully along in your bulletin today, here's what I want you to know. The Antichrist will make his presence known in this world by lifting up and exalting himself. Jesus said, you not receive me. I've come in my Father's name, you'll not receive me. He said, but there's coming somebody who you will receive, and he is going to come into the world by lifting himself up and exalting himself. His name. Now keep in mind the word anti means against. And in the context of our subject today, which we're talking about the Antichrist, the Antichrist will be a limitation to some degree, but he will be a great imitation of Jesus Christ, and he will be against everything that Jesus is. He will be limited in the way that he will not have ultimate victory, but he is going to come into this world, not only lifting up and exalting himself, but he is going to come as an imitation of Christ. And he is going to be empowered by the devil to bring final destruction and deception to the world. That's a key thing you have to remember. Now, I want to remind you in the early beginning of time, how God computes time, because God doesn't compute time like we do. Satan, or Lucifer, was a created angel by God. Don't get it confused. Satan was not born in hell. He was a created angel by God. In fact, the Word says that he was the most beautiful certainly the most talented of all God's angelic creation. In Ezekiel chapter 28, and they'll get these scriptures on the screen for you as we move quickly through the word today. But in the book of Ezekiel chapter 28 in verses number 13 through 15, this is the scripture of what I've just said. In fact, this is something that you can rest well with here in our church. I'm not going to preach something that is of my opinion. I'm going to give you the Word of God. And this is what the Word says in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse number 13. And God is addressing Lucifer. He's addressing Satan. Lucifer was the original aspect of his name, identity. And he says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Think about it. 
And he said, Sardius and Topaz and the diamond and the beryl and the onyx and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, carbuncle and gold. And this is what he said, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes. That means this, that God not only decorated Lucifer as the most beautiful of God's angelic creation, but he made him the most talented one of all. Lucifer in the beginning of time was an incredible musician, was a credible singer. And the Lord is reminding him, thy workmanship of thy tabrets, of thy pipes. The pipes is in reference to his lungs, the ability that he had to lift up his voice and sing in incredible ways. Was prepared in thee the day that thou was created. God created Lucifer. In verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth and I have set thee so. God is reminding him that he was the most beautiful, decorated of all the angelic beings. He was the most talented of all. And then God reminds him, he says, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Look at this, verse number 15. Thou was perfect. In thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. God said you had it all. You had everything. You were the highest elevated of all the angelic beings. You were the most beautiful decorated above Michael. You were the most beautiful decorated, could sing circles around Gabriel. I have placed you in the midst of my presence and glory and power, and God is reminding him of all that he had until iniquity was found in thee. Now, keep in mind, the transgression of Lucifer or his iniquity, think about this. This is when he became the devil. He was Lucifer in the presence of God. The fall iniquity moved that element to the devil. In fact, when did he become the devil? The scripture's better given to you in Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12 through 14. God reminded him in the beginning of all of the wonderful things that he had and where he was and what he did and how he was created until iniquity was found in his heart. And so this is when he became the devil. In verse, 14, or verse 12 of Isaiah 14, God says this, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which this weakened the nations? Because you see, as God had reminded him how beautiful he was and how talented he was and the elevated state that he was in, God now is saying, because of what you have done, the sin, the iniquity that you have allowed to come into your heart, God says this in verse number 13, for thou hast said, God said, you said this, Lucifer, you said this, Satan, 
For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. God said you had it all until iniquity and sin was found in you. And then this is what you said to me. And God said, after Satan, Lucifer said this, God said, that's not going to work. God said, that's not going to happen, buddy. God was saying, that's the game changer here. So keep in mind, since then, that time that God expelled him from the place that he was created to be. Keep in mind, and it has always been since that day, when Lucifer wanted to exalt himself above God and where Lucifer wanted God to worship him, ever since that day, it's always been the desire of the devil to be worshipped. That has been his desire. He wants to be worshipped. If you recall, when the devil tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, he tried to tempt Jesus to worship him. This has always been his desire. I want you to look at this in Luke 4, verse 5 and 8. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. But notice this. Lucifer, Satan, says this to Jesus. Now, they had just gone through this exercise in heaven. Lucifer says in verse 7, If you, Jesus, if thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Well, let me tell you, it was already his. Already his. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thy serve. Now, as a result of what Satan did in heaven, Lucifer, what he did in heaven, trying to get God to worship him, the consequence to that is in Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 15. Here's the scripture. We've got a lot to look at this morning. God said, because of what you have done, the consequence, Lucifer, he said, yet thou shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit because of that. And ever since that time, Lucifer has done everything that he possibly can to destroy all of God's glory, all of God's beauty, and all of his creation. He really believes that in the end times, as we know it, he will actually be able to assemble armies all over the world to defeat the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns to the earth. And the devil really thinks that he can pull that off. It has been in his heart since the beginning to be worshipped. It's been in his heart since the beginning to be exalted above everything else. 
And that is his desire and motivation even today. He thinks that in the end he can still pull this off. And so he's going to use two other people to attempt to orchestrate this final battle. And this is where I want to move you out a little deeper this morning. So pay very close attention. One of these individuals that Satan is going to use in the end of time is none other than the Antichrist. And We'll take a moment to talk about him in just a minute. But one of the individuals that, and I emphasize one of, one of the individuals that the devil's going to use in the end of time will be the Antichrist. Now, number two on your bulletin, the devil knows that his time is short. In Revelation chapter 12, verse number 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. If you and I can read this Bible and know that the end is near, by some of the prophecies that Jesus himself gave, I assure you that many times over than you and I the devil is aware of the same thing. I believe right now he is positioning his band of fools together for this very moment that we're talking about really in all actuality, the beginning of the tribulation and certainly the final components of it. But let me remind you of something, that the deception that is going to take place in the great falling away in the first half of the tribulation, and certainly the latter half, deception is a key component to the final charade of the devil. In Revelation 12, 9, I want you to see this. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels, a third of them, were cast out with him, a third of heaven's angels. Now, number three, we're moving quickly. Look at this. One of the most impacted cardinal doctrines of our faith is the Holy Trinity. We wholeheartedly embrace the Trinity. In fact, I want you to see this scripture in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 7. There are certain denominations today that reject the teaching of the Trinity. Some who categorize themselves in the realms of apostolic, uh, they believe uh, that uh, there is a Holy Spirit, but it's hard for some people to grasp the fact that these three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. Look at what the Word says here in this passage. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. This is probably one of the most complicated questions that people have asked me in the past. How can that be, preacher? How can there be three in one? Again, if you try to reason and rhyme this thing about the Word, it's not going to work. We, we have to accept it by faith. It's like I've told you many times before in the past. If the Bible had said, that Jonah had swallowed the whale, I would have believed it. 
because it's in the Word. You say, well, preacher, I certainly wouldn't believe that. But I can promise you that there are things of this type of illustration that I can give you in the Word where human reason and logic would step back from it and say, that's impossible. The virgin birth, for example. There are people that pick this book apart by reason, rhythm, and rhyme, and they say it's impossible. But never forget the Word says, with God, all things are possible. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 14, Paul said this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. The first part of that, the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the Holy Ghost. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19, the word says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So let me say this. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we believe that all three are one. How can that be, preacher? Ask God when you get to heaven. That's what the Word says. These three are one. Now, let me remind you. In these latter days, in the great falling away, in the beginning of the tribulation, the latter part of that, let me remind you that one of the greatest things that Lucifer, Satan, Beelzebub has done since the beginning of the transgression here is tried his best, number one, to be worshipped, to be exalted, and then to imitate, to imitate God. For example, the Bible says this in John 10, verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I've come to give life. But he also said in that same scripture that the devil has come to kill. This is how you can start connecting the dots to the devil being antichrist. Whatever Jesus is for, the devil is against. Jesus came to give life, the devil came to kill. Yet everything that he is against, he is trying his best to imitate the Holy Trinity as well. Let me just say this, and this is, this is a free place in the sermon. I'll put it on pause and just say it's a good place to insert it. This is one of the thousands of reasons why people's minds are deceived. When Jesus said, I've come to give life, he also said the devil's come to take life. Do you know why this world is obsessed with abortion today, taking life and killing babies? It's because the devil has come to kill. The devil is, let me ask you this. Do you ever, how many commercials have you ever seen on TV that's promoting adoption? How many commercials have you ever seen on TV where they have people standing out in the fields of Haiti and, and uh, Ethiopia and uh, where uh, one of our little grandchildren was found laying out in a field and my son and his wife later on went to adopt her? But how many commercials do you find 
with people standing out in front of fields and, and looking at uh, huts falling down or looking at people living in all kinds of slums and different categories and, and begging people, would you adopt this child? Would you consider adoption? $19 a month, you can sponsor. Have you ever seen anything? Listen, they've got commercials on left and right, how you can save a dog, how you can save a tree, how you can save a whale, and nothing about saving babies. Jesus said, I came to give life. The devil has come to kill. So I want you to think about it. It's free. You didn't have to do anything for that one. <laughs> human life is of God. And killing human life is of the devil. Now let me say this about another aspect of the devil's deception that's about ready to unleash. Just as God has a holy trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the devil has an unholy trinity. I want to move you out a little deep here this morning, so stay with me. Write some of these things down. I want you to learn the spiritual truth today. The first member of the Lucifer's or the devil's unholy trinity is the devil himself. And he is called, in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 9, he is called the great dragon. When you start reading these scriptures of prophecy and you read passages that mention things like the great dragon, okay? So what are you thinking about when you come across something like that? This is Satan, and I'm going to explain it to you. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So when we read these particular prophecies, remember this, that the great dragon, the dragon is the devil. That's the first person in the devil's unholy trinity. And then in one of our key scriptures this morning in the Gospel of John, Jesus is preparing us for the Antichrist. He is saying that there's coming one that you would receive. And he is the second person of the devil's unholy trinity. And the Antichrist in these scriptures is known as the beast. The first beast. You write this down. I know it will be confusing to you. I, it's, it's complicated and I've waited a long time to give you something like this. The great dragon is the devil. The first beast is the Antichrist. All right, let me show you what I'm talking about in Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil, the great dragon, that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast, who is the Antichrist, and, and the false prophet, where they are and shall be tormented day and night forever. This is the devil's unholy trinity. It's the devil, the great dragon. It's the first beast, the Antichrist. And then it's the third person who is the false prophet. The Antichrist is going to be the devil's superman. He's the one that's going to be visible, deceiving the people in the tribulation right before the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in this same passage in Revelation, the scripture mentions that third person in the devil's unholy trinity, and the scripture calls him the false prophet. He is going to be the one that energizes the world with deception. He's the religious partner to 
Satan's unholy trinity. So you've got the devil, the great dragon. You've got the first beast, who is the Antichrist. You've got the second beast, who is the false prophet. And it is going to be the false prophet that's working in harmony. Again, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, these three are one. There are three that bear record in heaven, and these three are one. In the unholy trinity, you've got the devil or the dragon, you've got the first beast, the Antichrist, and you've got the false prophet. That's the unholy trinity. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 through 17, the word says this, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. You see that another beast. And he had two horns like a lamb. You ever seen a lamb with horns? I haven't. Look at this. And he spake as a dragon. All right, we know who the dragon is. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast, the first beast. Now, you got to stay with me. I recognize this. I know it's complicated, and I've waited a long time to move you a little further out. But I want you, you got to, don't get confused with this. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth and had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. He spoke as the devil. Didn't we not just read the devil is the great dragon? Okay, this other beast coming on the scene is speaking like the dragon. He's the representation, the mouthpiece of Satan. In verse 12, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, which was the Antichrist, and he causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, to worship the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed, and he doth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago, that phrase, them that dwell on the earth, is never a statement mentioned about God's people. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth, by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Verse number 15, and he had power to give life unto the image. Now, this is the third person of the unholy trinity. He's now, they have set up an image in the third temple. The Jews have been totally deceived thinking that the Antichrist was the Messiah after the first three and a half years, it all changes. And then the false prophet, he begins to energize the people with this belief, this false worship. Not only that, that's another element in just a minute, but this image that they set up in the temple to make people worship, the false prophet gives the ability or power or supernatural not from heaven, but supernatural power from the dragon, the devil, to make this image speak and talk. Look at this. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name." And then in Revelation 16, 13, the scripture says, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. 
and out of the mouth of the beast, number two, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, number three. It mentions all three of the unholy trinity right here together in this passage. Now, here's something that I think you'll be interested in and write this down. The dragon or the devil, the dragon is anti-God the Father. The beast is anti-Christ. And the false prophet is anti-Holy Spirit. Okay? God comes in with a holy trinity. Now the devil moves in with an unholy trinity. The Antichrist will have a burning desire to be praised and to be worshipped, and the false prophet is going to make all of that happen. Number four in your bulletin today. The devil knows that one of the lowest ways to control people is through economics. We're talking about in number four here the mark of the beast. And the devil knows, and you have seen in your lifetime, the effect on humanity with dilapidated economics. We see this taking shape all over the world today. And let me say this, time will not permit me this morning to go into every nook and cranny of this, but I tried to select something that was so broad that you could kind of get the idea. And that is this. There's a deeper reason. Because I believe with all of my heart, we're living in the days of the great falling away. I believe the imminent return of Jesus could happen in my next breath. I believe his coming is going to be very, very soon. I believe that. It could happen at any moment. And this is what I know, that from the time the rapture takes place until the end of the tribulation, that's seven years. So if Jesus were to come today, there's at least seven years that's going to go by until he comes back to this earth where he's going to rule and reign from the throne of David. Seven years. Think about the world and the conditions that's going on right now. Think about how bad things are, how bad things will get. And if Jesus, the revelation was seven years from now, then you can go back and start following some of the signs that even Jesus was talking about. But this is what I believe. There, there is a deeper reason, especially now, why it's worldwide. There's a deeper reason why thousands upon thousands of shipping containers loaded down with food and necessities and clothing, why they're all stockpiling in bays and shipyards around the world, not just in Norfolk, Virginia, but around the world. Now, listen carefully. You would think that when people were hungry and going to the stores and there were no food on the shelves and things that they need to get through in life, listen, any, any rational person would say, look, get those shipping containers on the dock and make it happen, make it happen now. Worldwide, worldwide this is happening. While shelves and stores are going empty, I believe it's a visible sign right now of controlling economics. And I believe controlling economics is a forerunner of the mark of the beast. 
But the Antichrist, listen carefully now, he's, he's going to be the one that's going to come and unite the world into a common market. He is going to be the one that unites the world in a common government. And he is going to be the one who comes and reunites the world in a false religion, which will be a one-world religion. So what happens is the false prophet comes on the scene on behalf of the Antichrist, and he, like the Antichrist, is going to be a servant of the devil. And here's a better description of him in Revelation 13, verse 11 and 12. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth and had, I've read this to you. Let me reread it. And he had two horns like a lamb. He spake as a dragon. He exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And I want you to see what Jesus said about this in Matthew 24 and verse number 24. He said, for there shall rise false Christ." And false prophets. Again, the false prophet is the third person in the devil's unholy trinity and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So listen carefully. The dragon who is the devil, is going to give power to the beast, the Antichrist, and power to the false prophet to which they are capable of working miracles of deception to the people. Revelation 13 again, verse 13 and 15. And he doth great wonders, read it on the screens, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Again, this is an imitation of God. Who did that in the ministry of the Old Testament? It was Elijah. Did he not stand on top of Mount Carmel and call fire down from heaven? You see, the devil now is imitating God. He's imitating the miracles of God. He's using the false prophet to energize these miracles of deception. Again, the fire that the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to call down from heaven is not coming from the third heaven. So look at this. He's doing now what could be considered as supernatural miracles. Verse 14, And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Now, I've read these scriptures several times for you today. I hope repetition will help you. Verse number 15, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, please listen carefully. The dragon, the devil, is going to empower the Antichrist to control the world by economics. When this happens, this will happen with the mark of the beast. In Revelation 13, verse number 16, the Bible says this about that mark, and he causeth all the Antichrist, who is now energized by the false prophet, the, the dragon, he causeth all, both small and great, rich or poor, bond or free, to receive a mark in their right hand 
or their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast, the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score and six, or six, six, six. The mark of the beast is a number. The Bible says that society is going to force humanity to have a mark in their right hand or a mark in their forehead. It's the mark of the beast, the number 666, and it will be a mandatory number for every single human being that will be uh, left here on the earth after the rapture takes place. If you stop and think about it, listen carefully, we are no longer a, a people known by our names anymore. We, we are a people that's only really known by numbers. When you think about it, we have a social security number. We have license plate numbers. We have credit card numbers. We have pin numbers. We have phone numbers. And so giving numbers to a group of people is nothing new. It's been going on for a long, long time. This mark, this number, 666, it's going to be a universal number. And to simplify this, listen carefully. The false prophet is going to turn the world into one huge, if you will, for lack of better words, a concentration camp where everybody will have the mark. If you're going to buy, sell, or trade, and that means this, if you're going to live, if you're going to eat, every person must have the mark in their hand or their forehead, just like Hitler and the Nazis and the Third Reich did to all the Jews in the Second World War. They, they took them away from society. They put numbers on their arms and the Star of David on their shirt. Over six million were killed. Now listen carefully. It's, it's the same. Every person on the earth will have to have this mark if they expect to survive, to live. And it will be the devil's brand of hell. Whether you want to believe this or not, you think with me now, we're running out of time. I ask our musicians to come forward. We are already, already headed for a cashless society. One particular program right now that's happening as I speak, it's called the Digital Angel. Listen out for it because it's already here. It's already being used. Now in closing... We are more than ever right now being forced to do things that the government tells us to do. Forced. The number 666 will one day work like, listen, I, I say this very cautiously, but the number 666 will one day work like mandatory, mandatory vaccines. Now, I, I want you to know I've got all mine. So you say, well, I'm not into that. I think it's, it's rigged and it's, look, think what you want to think, do what you want to do. I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm just God's male man. That's all I am. So, but, but I had mine. And I know people that would have died if they didn't. I know people that's died because they did. I, 
So I, I don't get in that business of you. You do what you want to do. But, but when somebody says that you got to have this vaccine to have a job, you got to show me your record, you got to show me your card. You sh- All I'm saying is this, when the government starts telling you, you got to do this. And let me ask this question. Getting back to the abortion thing, they say that abortion is a, is a woman's right because she should have the right to do with her body whatever she wants. Okay, we understand what they're saying. I don't agree with it, but I understand what they're saying. So, in the way of the forcing people to get the vaccine, so they're saying to, let's, let's use that same analogy, they're saying to a woman, you, you have to get this vaccine to have your job. Well, but I thought she had the right to make a choice about what to do with her body. But so it works for you here. But when you have to make her get a vaccine to have her job, then if it, if it don't work for you and it works for the government, then it's okay. But you, you, you get what I'm saying? It's not right. This thing right here is coming down to where the government, not, and I'm not just speaking about of the United States, I'm talking about a global economic controlled universal man in charge, a universal number for everybody to have. It's going to work like what the analogy that I just gave you with the same unconditional principle. There's coming a day when the devil will unleash his false Messiah. He is going to make a covenant with Israel for three and a half years, and then he's going to break it. He will move from a man who is called the man of peace to a man of war, a man who was able to solve all the world's problem. Now, now it's so much chaos. He is going to come in as a self-proclaimed God, demanding to be worshipped, And let me say this, this is another imitation of Satan. He's always wanted to be worshipped. In the end, he will demand to be worshipped. That's never been the principle of God. God has always extended to us free grace. And he says this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God doesn't force himself on anybody The Antichrist, who is empowered by Satan, the false prophet, he will make people worship him. He will make people take this mark. He will make people kneel to him. But let me say this in an ending. What's more important than the coming of the Antichrist right now is the coming of Jesus Christ. And so my question to you is this. Are you ready? Because here's the thing. As many of these sermons I'm going to preach about Bible prophecy and help you in every way that I possibly can, we ought not to be looking for the Antichrist. We ought not to be speculating who the Antichrist is. I don't know. We need to be concerned more about the coming of the Christ. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. 
For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.